Well, there is a story, friends, of a mom and a dad whose son totally blew off his freshman year in college. I mean, he made bad grades. He squandered all of his money. And he was constantly, constantly getting into trouble. Well, finally, the boy came home and the parents told him, Listen, son, if you're going to continue going to college, you're going to have to pay your own way. And so the boy came home and he had to work all summer to pay his own way. And he ended up missing the family vacation to Greece. So the, that, that year, the family took actually a cruise to Greece, but his mama sent the boy a postcard, and she wrote on the postcard, Dear son, today we stood on the mountains where ancient Spartan women actually sacrificed their defective children. Wish you were here. Wow, right? There's an old proverb that says, if you give to a pig when it grunts and a child when it cries, you'll have a fine pig but a bad child. Amen? Listen, God expects us to raise Christian children. He expects us to raise disciples of the Lord, not pigs. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Our children, friends, are both the greatest challenge, but also the greatest mission field that we have. Our children are the greatest mission field that Christians have. That being said, how are we to respond to all the evil that comes against our kids? How are parents today supposed to respond when evil comes and tries to keep them from reaching their God-given potential? What in the world are we supposed to do? We turn off the TV? That's one way. Take away their phones? <laughs> That's another. Teach them to mind their manners? Yep. Teach them to mind their mouth? How many of y'all got teenagers? Amen. Mind their mouth. Include them in cheerleading. Include them in tumbling and in baseball and soccer and in basketball. Is that a way? Perhaps. How about force them to get their homework? Maybe that's a way to keep the evil of the world from taking away their God-given potential. What about uh, keeping them involved in church? That might be a good way to help them come against the evil that's coming against them. But I submit to you today this. I submit that the best way to respond to the challenges that are coming against you as moms and as dads is to give them the gift of yourself. Give them the gift of yourself. You see, friends, we are all stewards, managers, if you will, of God's investment in children. We will all be held accountable for how we cared for God's investment. 
With that being said, I want you to turn, I believe it's on page 551 in the Bibles in front of you, in Psalm 127. It's a short song that was written years ago by one of the wisest men that ever lived. His name was King Solomon. And King Solomon wrote in Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1, he said, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage. They are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Friends, those five little verses outline for us five things that I believe we ought to be teaching our children so that they will eventually turn out G. R-E-A-T. Amen? We want our kids to turn out great. The G in great stands for generating dependence upon the Lord. The first verse in that psalm said, Unless the Lord builds the house, the Lord, the labor, labor in vain, who build it? The, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now there's a saying that goes like this. Little is much when God is in it. But the converse is also true that much is nothing if God ain't in it. Amen? That is exactly what this verse is teaching us. Unless all of our activities are ordered and directed by the Lord, they're basically a waste of time. They're basically a waste of energy. You and I can set out to do things on our own, even in Christian service. We can build a church with tons of people. We can have phenomenal results in our community. But listen, if the fruit, if the fruit doesn't come from the Lord, then those things are worse than worthless. We must depend upon the Lord to build the house. You might say, okay, that's great, but how does that relate to my kids? How does that relate to children? Well, children need to learn how to build their house. Children need to learn how to build their temple. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. Paul asked, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the house of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Your children don't belong to you. They belong to the Lord. So we must teach our children to rely on the Lord when they're thinking about building their temple. That psalmist said, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the temple, then they labor in vain who build it. Friend, never make the mistake of leaving God out of your children's lives. Never. 
If we build our children's lives without God, every achievement, every success, every effort will be pointless. Why? Because they will not have built for things of eternal value. See, you're living this life not just for this life. You're living this life to build things that have eternal value. So we must teach our children. We must be examples of people who rely on the Lord. We know and we must show that our children are the highest priority. But we also must show our children that they need to make God their highest priority. He must be number one. So not only must we teach our children to rely on the Lord to build their temple, but we must also teach them to rely on the Lord to protect their temple. Solomon said, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. He's blowing it. You see, we can't be the kid police all the time. We can't be hovering over our kids all the time. But ultimately, we and our children will have to rely on the Lord for protection. Here's a prayer of one small child. The child said, Lord, bless my mama and daddy. And God, take care of yourself. Because if anything happens to you, we're sunk. Amen. How true is that? Amen. From the mouth of babes. So let's help our kids to generate dependence upon the Lord. Now for the R in great. That stands for us to remind them to trust in the Lord's care. That verse in chapter 2 says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Now I read that on the surface and it tells, tells me, Hey man, I can just sit on the porch and sip iced tea. Amen? That's not what that means. It just means, does that mean I can sponge off my friends? No, that's not what that means. This is not an excuse to be lazy. This is not an excuse not to provide for your own, not to provide for your family, not to provide for the needs of other people. God is not against human effort. In fact, hard work honors God. Did you hear me, friends? Hard work honors God. But working so hard, working so long that you neglect your family... Now that's probably a cover-up. Amen? That's probably a cover-up because you really don't trust the Lord to provide for you and yours. So we must teach our children that they can cast all their care upon the Lord because He cares for them. Kids need to know that they can depend upon the Lord, that they can trust in His care. But it's up to us to generate that dependence. It's up to us to remind them that they need to trust in the Lord. Now for E in great. It stands for to encourage them to obey God. The first part of chapter th or verse 3 said, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. What is a heritage? Well, a heritage is a gift. A heritage is a possession. A heritage is personal property. A heritage is an inheritance. Way too often, people in our world see kids as a liability instead of an asset. 
They wrongly see children as a liability rather than an asset. But did you notice that the Bible calls children God's property? The Bible calls children His possession. See, children are the Lord's inheritance. They don't belong to you and I. We are only the managers. We are the stewards. We are the overseers to raise them up according to the way the Lord would have us to raise them. So we must teach them to obey Him. Now, friends, there are many reasons why people love. And there are many reasons why people obey the Lord. One of which is fear. They obey the Lord because they fear what might happen to them if they don't. They fear because they think that obeying means they have to. But there's a second reason that we obey the Lord, and that is for a reward. Many people obey because they think they're going to get something out of it. But the third and most important reason is we obey the Lord out of love. We obey the Lord because we love God. And He has first shown His love toward us. So we need to encourage our children to obey the Lord, not merely out of duty. To obey the Lord, not merely out of an opportunity to receive a reward. No, we're to obey God because we want them to learn how much God loves them and how awesome it is to love Him in return. Generating dependence upon the Lord. Reminding them to trust in the Lord. Encouraging them to obey the Lord are great ways to make great kids. But there's also the A in great. And the A stands for affirming their value to God. Look at the end of verse 3. The fruit of the womb is a reward. The fruit of the womb is a reward. The The Bible basically says that our kids are God's reward. Our kids are God's reward. God is the author of creation, and no one here is an accident. Not even the preborn, amen, are an accident. We're all here for God's specified reason, and God has given us His reward to take care of. People who view children as a distraction. People who view children as a nuisance need to have their mindset changed. They need instead to see their children as opportunities to shape the future. Moms and dads, do you realize that you have this incredible divine opportunity to shape the future of mankind? All through your children. So we need to teach them how important they are to God. We need to teach them how valuable They are to God. We need to remind them of how much God adores them and loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God would demonstrate his own love toward us and that while we are still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That's for real love. Somebody say amen. How valuable are children to God? God thinks that children are to die for. Amen. Generating dependence upon the Lord. Reminding them to trust in the Lord. Encouraging them to obey the Lord. And affirming their value to God are great ways to raise great kids. 
But there is a final way that we need to be addressing. And that is we need to train them up in the admonition of the Lord. In verses 4 and 5, Solomon said, Like arrows in the hand of the warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, for they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Now friends, people back in the day had a quiver. It was more like a pocket. This is a modern day quiver that goes on a bow. And if you'll notice, there are four arrows in this quiver. That doesn't mean that you can only have four kids and stop there. Amen? Because there's also four more spots back here in the back. So four is not enough. Somebody say amen. Amen. We, right? Four is not enough. If you want to have four, well, how about have some more? Amen. And let's fill this up. You young couples need to get with it. We need to grow this church. Amen. So let's, let's have some more arrows in our quiver. Praise God. Amen. But like arrows, Solomon said, like arrows, arrows are like children. Did you notice that an arrow doesn't shoot itself? An arrow cannot shoot itself, and so it needs an archer. And Solomon, in his wisdom, likens moms and dads to an archer. If this arrow is shot by a skilled archer, then it will hit its intended target. My question for you is, are we aiming our kids in the right direction? Are we aiming our kids towards the values of God Himself? Friends, are we making straight arrows that will fly right and fly directly to the target that it was intended for? Now friends, I want to give you three facts about arrows. Three facts about arrows. First of all, to be effective, arrows have got to be straight. My mama told me, Billy, she called me Billy, I hated it when she did that. She said, Billy, you need to straighten up and fly right. I didn't realize she was preaching to me, amen? Because if you're going to be effective, if your child is going to be effective, that arrow has got to be straight. And sometimes that means removing some stuff off of it so that it can hit its intended target. But not only must it be straight to be effective, this arrow must be sharp. I'm not even going to touch these razor blades on the end of this arrow, but I can tell you they're very, very sharp. To make an impact on the world we're living in today, our children have got to be sharp. To make an impact, our kids must be sharpened by the Word of God. That's the only way that they're going to make a difference in this world. So they must be straight. They must be sharp. But ultimately, to be effective, an arrow must be shot. It must be released. Sooner or later, the arrow must be let go by its archer so that it might hit its intended target. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, 
He will not defer, defer from it. He will not deflect from it. He will not depart from it. He will not leave that plan. How? Well, Albert, Albert Schweitzer told us how. He told us how to make our arrows be straight, be sharp, and be shot. He said there's really only three ways to teach a child. Ready? Somebody say amen. Be an example. Number two, be an example. And number three is much like it, be an example. Your kids will duplicate what they see, not only what they hear, be an example. But practically speaking, we know that in order to train up a child correctly, yes, we must be an example, but we must also teach. We must teach them how to live for the Lord. And I submit to you this morning that in order to raise great kids, we're going to have to generate dependence upon the Lord. We're going to have to remind them to trust in the Lord's care. We're going to have to encourage them to obey the Lord above everything else. We're going to have to affirm how valuable they are to God. And finally, be committed to train them up in the admonition of the Lord Jesus himself. I think there's probably one more. And that is, we must make an active commitment. We have too many uncommitted parents in our world today. And as God's people, we need to make an active commitment to be involved in the lives of our children. Here's how you begin. First of all, you give yourself to Jesus. And then after you've given yourself to Jesus... Give yourself to your children. Give yourself to Jesus, then give yourself to your children. Now friends, following a special song by Brother Howe, we're going to introduce each child and his parents. And we are going to thank God for creating them. We're going to pray for each parent's power to raise and to nurture them in the admonition of the Lord Jesus. But in doing this, we better be reminded of this. And this is important. So if you're listening, say amen. amen. It's a fearful thought that any parent would come before Almighty God and before the body of Christ to profess that they are dedicating their child and themselves to the Lord but in their hearts, they don't really mean it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 instructs us, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in keeping it. He has no pleasure in fools, so fulfill your vows. It's better for you not to vow at all, rather than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Each parent and child today will receive a certificate commemorating today's occasion. They will receive a New Testament Bible for their child, but they will also receive a time capsule. They'll receive a time capsule that is intended to be open when the child turns 18. And when that child turns 18, they'll be able to read what they and this church did on this special forward-looking day. That time capsule letter reads as follows. I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you 
so that you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience, for some have rejected these and so shipwrecked their faith. Dear child, and we have put their name in there, we are here with you Mother's Day Sunday, March, May the 8th, 2022, as if on a mountaintop, looking far across a broad sea to another mountaintop. The peaks and the valleys in between represent your life. We are happy to be here with you on this special forward-looking day. However, nobody sought your opinion in the matter of being dedicated to the Lord today. Your parents brought you here to recognize and to thank God publicly for the gift of your life. They are here also making a commitment to provide a home where the name of Jesus will be honored, to be a Christian example, to participate with you in the extended family of God called the church, and to pray over you. The purpose of all these things is in hopes that when the day comes, that you will choose to proclaim Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Ours is not a faith that's based on magic or superstition. Nothing in the laying on of hands or the prayers uttered or the promises made can ensure that you will choose to become a Christian. We are simply acting in faith with a strong appeal to God's grace. Child, many voices will call to you on life's voyage. One of which is your God calling you to the narrow way of a disciplined, productive, and fulfilling life that results in using your unique blend of gifts. This calling is the place of your optimum happiness. But there will be other voices calling to you, like the sirens of old, bidding you to leave the path of your optimum calling they will say, come on, come and indulge. Come take the easy way. They will say, come and get all you can for yourself. They will say, come and partake of ecstasy without expense. There ain't no right or wrong. Resist these voices. Run as fast as you can from those voices. They are voices of deception. And they are calling you into shallow waters where rocks can shipwreck your faith. The Bethel Baptist Church family is launching you out today like a ship on a vast and uncertain sea. We promise that we will do our best to protect you and to keep you in the center of the fleet as long as we can. But the day will come when you will hoist full sail and you will... Pay attention to the charts that you've been given. We pray your rudder holds true. Above all, stay close to your compass. His name is Jesus. Stay close to your charts. It's called the Bible. Millions before you have brought their ships into safe harbor using that compass and these charts. You will too. Christ Jesus is our unseen captain. And he'll be with you all the time. He's the master of the wind and master of the waves. He even made the sea. In fact, child, the main work of your life will be learning to trust your captain. Yours in Christ Jesus. 
your Bethel Baptist Church family. At this time, I'd like to have all of our families, moms and dads, parents and children to come forward. You can just have a seat in the first couple of pews here.